Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore financial topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. We explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of our finances. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Hi everyone, Diana and I are taking a couple of weeks to do some work on the back end of our podcast. So we're playing an episode from our vault for you to enjoy. This episode originally aired on April 3rd, 2020. It's a conversation between Danielle Bean and myself about how she and her husband financially navigate having a large family. Danielle Bean is a wife, mom of eight, author, speaker, and brand manager at catholicmom.com. She's the host of Girlfriends, a podcast for Catholic women. And you can learn more about her at daniellebean.com. Thanks again to Danielle for sharing your insights and wisdom. So welcome, Danielle. I'm so excited that you're here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Caitlin. I'm thrilled to be talking with you. Yeah, this will be fun. This is going to be a fun conversation, and I'm hoping that we can kind of help some families who are thinking about um, having more children or just, you know, thinking about children in general, um, kind of settle their fears and and talk about money in regards to uh, how you can grow a large Catholic family. Right. Awesome. So did you and your husband know you always wanted a large family or how did you guys come about um, having eight children? Sure. Um, So I grew up one of nine. And so to me, I just had the most blessed childhood. I was so grateful for my family of upbringing in so many ways. We weren't perfect, but it was a true gift to me. And my siblings continue to be a true gift to me today. So for sure, I was leaning in that direction when we got married. My husband um, has just the one brother. He's a convert to the Catholic faith. So it was a whole new world to him, but he was very open to it. Um, in fact, through the years, I remembered at one point going back and looking at some old paperwork that we filled out in our like pre-marriage, you know, right. prep stuff that we did. And it was like, how many kids do you want? And we had both answered five or six. So we were thinking along those lines before we ever even got married and knew what any of this stuff was about and what, what exactly it costs mm-hmm. us. We were very open to having a, a larger than average size family for sure. Great. And so you knew that was going to be kind of what you were aiming for. You said five or six, it ended up being Mm -hmm. eight, which is such a blessing. And how did you guys prepare for that in your younger years and when you were establishing yourselves as a couple? Yeah, I mean, so we for sure, um, it just, we stepped into our, our marriage and family life very much trusting in God's providence. And now I don't mean that we like didn't bother having jobs or, you know, being... (laughs) being reasonable and responsible with our money to some extent, but we for sure did not step into family life thinking we need X amount of dollars. We need to own a house. We need to have this kind of car, this kind of job security before we be in our family. I I honestly think that our world does young couples a disservice when they emphasize those things over trusting in God and, Mm, you know, and in stepping forward in faith together in in reasonable ways, of course, I'm not saying anybody throw caution to the wind, but, you know, God wants you to be doing that. And I feel like, especially when I look back on our early marriage and our early family life, that in so many ways, we weren't so much consciously discerning things. Like we weren't, you know, sitting down and and, and really talking things through and, and planning things out before we decided we need to be open to what God might be wanting to give us with regard to another child, with the ways in which God might be wanting to grow our family 
want very much place that desire on our hearts. And every family is different and every couple is different. But I think couple young couples today need more of a nudge toward mm. possibly being more generous with regard to their family life because you've got enough in the world that is telling you, you know, to be conservative, that you can't afford children, that you need to have X amount of dollars in the bank, you need to have college funds filled up before you even think about having a child. But, you know, I just think about you know, from a global perspective, like we have such first world privilege here in this country where yes. we're even talking about college bank accounts, you know, before we would have a child. But um, I think about a, a couple in a third world country that, that is struggling in so many ways we never will struggle. And yet, do we think God's not calling them to have a family? Like, really? Mm, I mean, yeah. I think that we really need to kind of check our perspective sometimes and we can get so caught up in our own culture that we lose perspective sometimes on the great gift that a child is and placing money before that is something we've never wanted to do. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I was reading some article recently and it was talking about how the average cost of raising a child from birth to 18, not even including college, is uh, I think it was like $233,000. <sighs> And can you imagine being a young couple starting out and hearing that that right. number? I mean, I, right. I can't even imagine that. I, um, I hate those articles. Oh my right, gosh! I, right. I mean, because the, the underlying message is right. You need two hundred thirty-three thousand dollars in right. the bank before mm -hmm. you get pregnant, which is so far from the truth. Of course, children cost you things. And of course, our financial life has been strained in many ways because of having a large family. But uh, so I'm not denying that, of mm -hmm. course, but you do not need to have that amount of money saved up. And if you look at how they break it down, it's also obnoxious, like the things they assume yes. you need yes. to have for a child, right? Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sure better than I, when you have more than one, you reuse things. You're not buying new right. clothes every time. And, you know, it, it becomes a little bit cheaper cheaper per child. But right. even so, you know, that, that number can be overwhelming to a young couple. Of course. So you mentioned the word generosity and having a generous mm -hmm. heart with having a large family. What kind of routines, I'm assuming there were, you know, routines that were kind of grown from a generous heart. What did you do as you had young children and you're implementing, um, you know, daily habits and, and financial routines into your household? Um, what kind of things did you guys do when you were growing your family? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always tried to, and, and my husband to um, raise up our kids with that same spirit of generosity. First mm -hmm. of all, just with regard to how we relate to one another, um, you know, inside of what we call our family culture. And, and you know, what? it actually starts there, being aware of the fact that you have a family culture, whether you know it or not, right? And you as a couple get to decide what that culture is going to look like in your own home and family. Like, what in what ways is your family going to be different? What kind of charism does your family have? What kinds of things, what kinds of lessons do you want your children to be learning, perhaps without ever having to explicitly spell them out, right? Things they learn from your example, from the way you talk to each other. Things that they learn just in subtle ways, like we don't talk like that about other people, or we don't talk to each other like that, or um, this is your brother, you know, just even something as, as simple as that, reminding them of the value of one another, the value of other human beings. And um, so we've always encouraged our, our children to have that openness of spirit and generosity with us and with one another and, and hopefully eventually with the world at large and the ways in which they engage with uh, the larger community. Um, but then that I think naturally translates into 
how are we going to be using the resources that God gives us, right? It becomes a natural extension of um, how, how do you use your gift of being, you know, at ease in social situations? Are you inviting other people in? How do you use the gift of the extra $20 that your Uncle Jerry gave you for your birthday? Like, you know, I think recognizing that all things are coming from God, all good things that we have access to, and that we are called to be prayerfully deciding the best ways to use those and always hoping to err on the side of generosity. Oh, that's really powerful. So developing a family culture that's rooted in generosity and rooted in um, gratitude, right? Because starting right. with the grateful heart is everything. And it seems like your family applied those principles down to even birthday gifts. And, you know, it's not the mm-hmm. big checks. It's the every single day habitual stewardship um, and right. creating a culture of that. Oh, that's really powerful. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Great. So how do you change those routines and, and um, how do you evolve your family culture as your children get older or do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's something we've consciously done personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's sort of been a natural extension of the the kinds of values that Dan and I have. So I really encourage couples to be having these conversations with each other. You don't have to have it all written out. Like some people do. They love to do this sort of thing Mm -hmm. and have like a rule of life for your family. And these are our values. This is our mission statement. And if that's you, go for it. I mean, I think that's great. Um, We've never been explicit about it in that way, but we've always been very open in our communication, Dan and I, with one another about what our values are and what we want to be encouraging in the children, perhaps noting um, certain family habits that we want to correct or, um, you know, maybe we're not spending enough time in, in family prayer or kind of, you know, shifting our, our, our values. Um, and, and when I say yeah. values as a family, um, the way you figure out what your values are is what are you spending your time on? What are you spending your money on? Right? Like mm, you can say, yeah all you want. Like, well, these are our values. But if the way you're spending your money and the way you're spending your time doesn't line up with that, those aren't truly your values, you know? So um, having those conversations with one another, like how do we want to shift how perhaps we're spending our time or how we're spending our money in a way that truly lines up with what we say our priorities and our values are? So yeah, so starting from a place of values and keeping that as your core um, Mm -hmm. and then growing from there. Um, Oh, that's great. So Having a large family, I, you know, I only have four, which I felt like was a large number. <laughs> only yours. Four, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I know that as, you know, we just go through life, having more people in the household means more potential for surprises. So what kind of mm-hmm. financial surprises have you experienced just having such a large group of people to be taken care of? Yeah, I mean, all over the map, right? <laughs> and um, this has been part of the learning experience for me because, you know, I remember being a young girl and I was all, like saving was always very important to me personally. People have different temperaments, right? And different approaches to money. And that's one of the things you kind of work out as a couple, like, is it is somebody more of a free spender? Is someone like really valuing and needing the security of saving and that kind of thing? Um, but I just remember as a young girl that my grandfather at one point gave each of us kids $5, a $5 bill and told my mom to take us to the toy store. And my mom loves to tell this story because she's like, it's so indicative of you because I picked out two different items, like a jump rope and a doll. And I checked with my mom and she said, yep, you can, you have enough money to buy both of those things, but it'll take all of your $5. And um, I didn't even think twice about it and put one of the things back because I thought it would not be wise to spend the whole $5, right? Mm, and Yeah. So, but then some people would be like, awesome, like I can buy both things, right? (laughs) So I think knowing you have different temperaments like that. um, So, you know, having, having in mind that kind of wanting that kind of security, but then nothing 
nothing throws you off of your schedules and your carefully laid out plans more so than family life, right? You know this with mm-hmm. your four kids. And um, for sure, we've experienced that over the years with our eight and, you know, different kind of health crises, um, financial problems as a result of that, or um, car problems, um, job problems, you know, all of the above. And I find that in that way, we've been surprised by big things, both positive and negative, you know, big things like work opportunities or gifts or um, in in a more negative sense, I, in my most recent book, um, giving thanks and letting go, I'm kind of, it's a, it's a series of personal essays on family life. And one of the things I look back on and reflect on is time when all of a sudden we needed an entirely new septic system. And it was, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Our savings couldn't remotely cover it. And, uh, and, and I, I joke in the book, like, you know, Dan got to work kind of making a plan how we're going to do this. And I helped out by lying awake at night with worry, right? Because that was, that was my role. That was what (laughs) I could do. Right. And yet I find it's inside of those times, those challenges inside of our family life that, we really are called to grow in trusting in God. You can't plan for all the things. You can have the most carefully laid out financial plans and one small thing can, can set it all off kilter. And so recognizing that, that whatever sense of control you have is false and that you know, God is calling you to trust in him in all the big things and in all the little things. And sometimes he's going to send you a big surprise, positive or <laughs> negative, to wake you up and make you realize just how much he loves you and wants to draw you closer in relationship with him. And part of that's going to come through that scary process of learning to let go of control and to trust. Yes, no, that's, that's a big, powerful lesson that I feel like people have to learn at some point in their life. And if you don't have that core center of faith in God, um, I'd imagine that's a scary place to be. And sometimes it takes a little while to get there, right? Even if you have right. that faith, it, you have those sleepless nights, um, you know, definitely put you in a, a period of searching, but then you eventually find him. So um, right. can you talk about that? Going back to that septic um, emergency, which that's a big emergency when you're, you know, having to <laughs> face tens of thousands of dollars you weren't expecting. Right. What did that mm-hmm. moment look like to you when you realized you were not in control? Yeah. I mean, that's a really scary place to find ourselves. And um, I find that in my life, whether it's a financial crisis or some other crisis that I'm facing, really, you have to take it minute by minute. Like, allow yourself to be where you are. And sometimes we're even beating ourselves up for where we are. Like, why am I not trusting in God more, right? Why am I worrying? Why am I struggling? Well, that's, that's going to make it worse, right? So you need to learn to be living minute by minute inside of that. And minute by minute, I mean, praying every minute, just asking God to increase your faith, saying, sacred heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you. Rinse and repeat. Say it again. Say it until you can begin to mean it. I think recognizing the fact that it's hard to mean those words um, is a really important thing. Like allow yourself to be there, but then um, just keep keep moving on like one moment by moment at a time. And sometimes in our life are very much like that. And I, I, I think sometimes the first time it happens, you think there's something wrong with you, right? Because you're struggling in this way. Right. Or there's something wrong with your marriage or with your family. And that's not the case. This is the human experience. Welcome to it. And um, God really is so pleased by your small efforts, minute by minute, to keep repeating that prayer, asking him to increase your trust in him. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's so important. I really appreciate your insight into that. 
I was just thinking as you were talking, my little girls were watching Frozen 2. It was on Disney Plus yesterday. And there's this song that talks about doing the next right thing. Um, yes. and sometimes that's all you can do is just do the next right thing. And it, the next right thing is, you know, I'd imagine 9.99 times out of 10 is just praying and submitting, right? That's, that's all we can do sometimes. Right. And, and mm -hmm. that's okay. And yeah. so it's important <laughs> to know that that's okay. And that sometimes you're called to do that. And it's part of our problem, of course, is it's very uncomfortable right? It, it, we're yes. so uncomfortable. We want the security. We want to know what's going to happen. We don't want to have that anxiety about the future. And yet God is calling us to sit down in that uncomfortable feeling and trust him right there inside of that. Having these eight individual personalities that you are stewarding from, you know, from the womb up until, uh, you know, I'm sure even through adulthood, how do right. you and your husband teach each of those separate personalities, because they're all so uniquely, you know, created. How do you teach them about money? Do you have um, an allowance system in place or do you play it child by child? Or what do you guys do to um, let your children learn about stewardship through their dollars? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been different throughout the years. Um, we've always had a certain base level of chore participation that's just expected yeah. that you are not getting an allowance for in our household. So, um, you know, like there's just, everyone's expected to be a contributing member of the household. Like, you know, mom cooks dinner and, and cleans up the kitchen. I'm not getting a paycheck for that, right? So there's right. certain things right. that you're just expected to do. And we've aimed for that to be age appropriate. And sometimes we've been super elaborate about it with chore charts and whatnot. And other times a little more casual about it. But I've always aimed for um, a making my kids more self-sufficient. And so I mentioned I grew up one of nine. And the thing is, I went to college. And when I when I went to college, that was the first time I ever ran a load of laundry, like on my own. Wow. Like, my mom was queen bee. And uh, she didn't, what? she, she, she wanted that sense of control. She didn't want, she was, she was always saying like, I don't want you in my machines and I've got my schedule and I've got, you know, so that was her way of doing it. But um, for better or for worse, that has not been my way of doing it. Like I want my kids to have these skills. I also want them to have the sense of confidence and self-esteem that comes from being a valued contributing member of the household. And that can happen with a two-year-old who's able to help you, you know, sweep up the floor. Now, of course, it costs you, right? And this is why so many of us don't want to do it because it costs yes, you time and yes. energy, right? Like mm -hmm. I've got to teach him how to sweep a floor and I, then I have to reteach him and, or I have to assign these chores and that means I have to follow through and make sure they do it and then call them back when they didn't do it right. And yeah, it's a time investment for sure, but it's one that pays off in the long run. So anyway, they've always basically had, you know, basic chores, things that are expected of them that they're doing around the house, um, age appropriate. And also, um, as they grow up to be teenagers and they're more involved outside the home, they have less time for that. So there's adjustments to be made there. But we've always been willing to pay and um, allow them to earn some money for doing things that are above and beyond. And there are ways, different ways that they would do that. Maybe caring for younger siblings, maybe um, doing a big job like cleaning out the shed or, um, you know, whatever it might be, seasonal stuff and that kind of thing that go above and beyond. And we've always been happy to be able to pay them a little bit. And the economy here in our household has changed over the years for sure. <laughs> because the older kids now come home and they're like, 
are you kidding? You were giving him $5 for that? Like I would have had to work for like a year and a half to earn $5, but (laughs) (laughs) these things change. Um, But, you know, I I think that having that system in place, like there's basic things you are just plain expected to do because you live here. And, um, but beyond that, always willing to compensate them if they're doing something that's above and beyond that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So they have like a baseline level they're expected just because they're living, breathing members of your household economy, right? And then if right. they go above and beyond that, then they can have some some spending cash. I, I know that some people get overwhelmed with, you know, the jars, with the giving, mm. the saving and spending. Did you ever go there or how did you no. guys approach that? Yeah, I've never been inclined to do that. And mm-hmm. honestly, because it sounds overwhelming to me. Right. And <laughs> right. like times eight kids like, ah, oh, uh, cannot do. But I've always, you know, been, been open to having those discussions with them about how they're spending their money. And um, as, as my kids have gotten a little older and gotten jobs and they start earning a little money, I've helped them to open bank accounts and, and talk with them about that and um, about, you know, what kinds of things they want to spend their money on or, or even talking with them when I notice things like, you know, you've been out to the movies with your friends, like, you know, these last several times, um, you probably don't have a ton left in your bank account right now. Like, how does that feel? Like, maybe you want to be making a different choice or maybe the next time your friends are asking, like, if you want to go out to dinner and a movie, you'd say, hey, how about we, we stay in and, and do this instead? Like, you know, having those kinds of conversations with them so that they're aware, right? Because that's a big part right, of it. Like, right. they're learning this on a small scale and this is their opportunity to learn about these things while they're under your roof, in your home with your guidance. And um, so have those conversations. Take note of how they do spend their money and without being demanding about it, um, offer them opportunities to be generous, of course, have those things ready and available for them, um, and be suggesting that, but then also just be finding out what their approach is to spending money and what they mm. think about it and what questions they might have. Right. And we learn through our mistakes as well, right? So it's mm-hmm. probably important to give them enough latitude to uh, to feel broke once in a while, right? Yes. <laughs> know what yes. that sensation is so they know they want to avoid that when they're dealing mm-hmm. with larger sums of money. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and that said, you know, some of my older kids, um, you know, in that, in that age range, like 15, 16, have their first job. They kind of get used to that having spending money thing. And um, with a couple of them, they would kind of go overboard and be, you know, lacking the funds that they're used to. And because they're accustomed to that, they would just say, hey, can you like cover this? Can I borrow $20? You know, whatever, I'm going to get paid next week or whatever. And it's like, oh, here's an opportunity to say, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's not an emergency. If you want that thing, that's fine. But it can wait until after you have the money in your account to cover it. Like I'm not your piggy bank and, you know, your stopgap measure. So, um, you know, realizing that that's an opportunity too, to, and and for many parents, maybe unthinkingly, like, you know, whatever, it's 10 bucks or whatever. Like, you know, it, it might be easy to just slip into the habit of doing that, but really it is an opportunity to be teaching them about how they're going to handle their money and the, you know, the ways that they approach spending. Those little moments are, those add up over the course of, you know, the time we have with our babies for sure. Right. Um, Yeah. And what have you learned about stewardship from your children? Has anyone given you a lesson along the way? Oh my gosh. So many times my kids have outdone me in generosity. Oh, so beautiful. The ways in which, and this is why I really want to encourage parents to give your kids opportunities to be generous because, you know, things as simple as there was this one really memorable Lent um, when all the kids were pretty young still and didn't have a ton of, a ton of money, but um, where I just put a, you know, a, a can on the table 
and it had a little slot in the top and it was money that we were going to be raising for, we hadn't even decided yet for charity, right? And then as we were going through that Lent, we decided we're going to use this money to, you know, make a donation to a local a local charity, like a food bank or um, something like that. And I was just so, so in awe of my kids that, that Lent and, and so reminded of like the, the story of the widow's might, right? Because they have mm. so little and yeah. they would be given, you know, any opportunity where they, they received a little bit of money or they would see that I received a little bit of money, you know, whether it was change at the grocery store or an opportunity to give up something that, I, that we were thinking about spending on together as a family, even very good things, normal things. And they would say, Hey, how about if we don't do that? And we, we spend that money instead and put it into the jar for giving away. And what a beautiful lesson that was for me that Lent. And my kids have taught me that lesson so many times over the years. And then, you know, I really encourage parents to give your kids this opportunity because what joy it is. Like at the end of that Lent, I don't even remember how much money was in there, but it was a significant amount, especially to my kids. Pull out that cash and then just go, we went to the grocery store and we bought items that we were going to give to our local food pantry. We made a list of the things they said they especially needed. And what a beautiful experience that was for all of us. And honestly, I mean, my kids were just loving every minute of doing that. And I feel like I was the one kind of being taught that lesson, like, back to basics here, mom. Like this is, this is what it's all about. Here's the gospel. Here's how we're meant to be living it out. Oh, that's, that's just an amazing story. And it goes back to you creating a culture in your family, right? And just everyone reinforcing that culture to each other. So even when someone Mm -hmm. may not, you know, feel like being generous when you're around nine other generous people. You kind of got to have to play along. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, that's what we, we need with, um, you know, in our families and building this, uh, when one person's not as strong, you rely on others to facilitate this, this sense of stewardship um, mm-hmm. and doing that in a large family. So that, that's a really fun story. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And um, so going back to, I mentioned earlier, you know, you hear these crazy numbers about, how much it takes to raise a child. And, you know, it's very intimidating, I would imagine. Um, My husband and I were so naive in the beginning. We just started having babies and, you know, the Lord always provided. (laughs) It wasn't really a thing. And Mm -hmm. I can't imagine having all those numbers thrown at me um, early on in our marriage. So if there's someone who they're either engaged or they're newly married and they're thinking about um, starting to have children or um, having more than one or two or three, Mm-hmm. What would you say to them uh, if they asked what they could do to kind of prepare themselves for right. going down this you know, this beautiful path that pays right. dividends, but I'd imagine it's scary in the beginning. It is. It can be scary to make that first step. And some people are more open to it than others. Like you mentioned that you and your family just, you know, just started, like right, you and your husband right. just started having babies. And you know what? You can call that naive, but I, honestly, I think that's part of God's plan. Like I honestly believe yes. that. And yeah. it's how I've experienced it as well. Like recently, a young woman I was counseling was asking me, how did you discern that you and, and Dan were supposed to get married? How did you discern that you were meant to have a family and start right way in that way. And I was like, you know, I don't actually think I would use the word discern for any of it. Like I didn't, I was as natural as breathing that I knew I wanted to marry this man and we wanted to have a family. Like it was built in. And I think God works that way in our hearts and in our minds. He places those desires in your hearts and they're desires for good things. And he's going to work out the details along with you. 
along the way to provide for what you need in that along that path. And so maybe sometimes, especially when we're young, we can get caught up in this idea of discerning everything and we have to have everything laid out and know right. how it's all going to work out ahead of time. But, you know, I, I think that's a distraction from what God's will truly is that, you know, God works in different ways in, in people's lives. And I think one of the ways that he works is just through the desires that he places on your heart, desires for good things. So if you're desiring to get married and start a family, then I, I want to tell you to just do that do that. And, you know, and that doesn't mean, of course, that you don't care about anything financial and that you're not going to get a job or whatever it is. But, you know, all of those details will work themselves out. And um, you're going to have some moments where you're going to struggle and you're going to worry, you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have stress. And that's all part of God's plan for your good as well, that you're going to be growing together. I like to say that, you know, Dan and I, we got married right out of college, started our family right away. And I like to say we grew up together. And yes, what God planned for us and what a beautiful gift it was to be able to do that with this, this wonderful man that I married and what a gift the children that we've brought into the world have been that if we were discerning about it, more discerning or more <laughs> cautious about it, we never would have known them. So, um, you know, I err on the side of generosity because erring on the side of caution isn't, isn't a problem. Like, you know, that, is, that isn't something that most of our, our culture today needs to focus on. Yeah, if I sat there and tried to discern, um, you know, each of our four babies, I can't imagine not mm -hmm. having such little blessings in this world. And they're right. going to do amazing things, I pray, to serve the Lord. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's really important to think about. Are you discerning to discern or are you discerning to use that time to avoid doing what you're supposed to be? Right. Doing. To permanently hit the pause button, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, overthinking. overthinking. There's absolutely a process of overthinking sometimes. Yeah. And you know, as a mom, we overthink anyways. We don't need help with that. <laughs> You're going to have plenty of time for that after the babies come. Yeah, for yes. sure. <laughs> oh, well. Danielle, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and, and the insight you've offered. And, um, you know, hopefully someone can learn from what you and your husband have gone through and this has just been a really, really powerful uh, conversation. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Caitlin. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? This helps us to get the message out to as many people as possible. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org. Or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. We are so happy to be on this journey with you. See you next week.